The web's Michael Smith. It's episode 179 of the Canes cast. And you know what? What's that? Sometimes lightning will end your season. Lightning strikes can be deadly sometimes. They can be sudden. And, and swift. Just like that, they're over. Yeah. But again, for those of you joining us here on the Canes cast, one, we can say this. Thank you. And two, thank you. Oh, very well done. We like to thank Stormbrew, the official beer sponsor of this podcast, Kane's Cast. Brought to you by R and D Brewing, Stormbrew. How many calories is it, Michael? Uh, Ninety-seven. And how many? How many carbs? Two point four. It is a refreshing beverage, and you can pick it up anywhere. Your favorite adult beverages are sold. You can pick it up at any of your favorite grocery stores. We hope you pick that up, and uh, we do appreciate the fact that. There were enough Caniacs to enjoy the $5, 16-ounce cans oh, yeah. of Stormbrew at PNC Arena, but unfortunately, we will have to wait until next season for you to do that all over again. That just means you got to go pick it up and enjoy it by the pool or the mm. lake or wherever it is that you enjoy fine beverages responsibly. Thank you, R&D Brewing, and thank you, Stormbrew. Thank you. Thank you. I could use one right now. I could use two right now. Three. Which keep raising, keep raising beverages. Uh, I, I, there are so many numbers. I, tell me when to stop. Uh, Ninety-seven yeah, calories. Sure, we can get there. Uh, Michael, the the season when you make the playoffs, unless you're the last team standing, uh, when it ends and you are not the team that is parading around the Stanley Cup, there's always this feeling of some kind of emptiness. Uh, something was missing and disappointment. Understood. Uh, get that. And I think the bar has been raised the last three years for the Carolina Hurricanes that the expectations of getting in the playoffs and winning a playoff series, that's nice, but that's what should be. And that's what Rod Brindamore wants this organization to have as a should be. It's what the players in the locker room do. So when they are beaten in a playoff series, it's going to sting. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is I think that we were reminded why the Tampa Bay Lightning were the defending Stanley Cup champions in the five-game series, and I want to draw the parallel to last season in the bubble against Boston. The series ends in five games, but it wasn't a five-game series. It was much closer than that, right. and the final scores dictate that. How the games were played will dictate that. Yep. However, the ledger we'll say that Tampa Bay won four games to the Hurricanes one. So there's something that the team that only won one game is clearly missing that they need to do to catch up to the team that eliminated them. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, and, you know, this this year felt like it was going to be different, felt like it had a chance to be different, had a chance to be special. Uh, and I think that was sort of the the natural progression, the natural culmination of of what this team has been working toward since Rod Brindamore took over as head coach. You know, 2019 was, by all accounts, just an improbable run that the Hurricanes made in the second half of that season to qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then, you know, to, to knock off the defending Stanley Cup champions in 12, uh, seven games, 12 games. It's a long first-round series. Oh, gosh. Seven games. And then to sweep the New York Islanders and you know, finally meet your maker in the Eastern Conference Final, it was still a magical run. Yes. It was a magical run. Because it wasn't expected. Yeah, they weren't technically supposed to be there, you know, even though they might have believed that they belonged there. 
I don't think you could have asked anyone on New Year's Eve of that season, you know, what was going to happen come May. Um, 20, uh, the, the 2020 playoffs, I, I find it so hard to, to look back on those and properly assess them because of how weird and strange and unique and yeah. hopefully, you know, you never have to do anything like that again. But at the same time, I think you can look at those and say, okay, well, the Hurricanes, you know, swept the New York Rangers, asserted their dominance in the qualifiers. And then, though they lost to the Boston Bruins again, five-game series, you felt like they took a step at least. Oh, yeah. And at least could, you know, take things from that series and say, okay, this is we need to do X, Y, and Z to uh, improve and be better, learn from what happened here and make it happen the next season. And that's kind of what this season felt like. It felt like there was a chance to take that next step. And I think that's where maybe some of the disappointment is, is that the Hurricanes didn't take, and and when I say take the next step, I mean be the best team. I do think there are steps to be taken in the middle of losing to the Boston Bruins in five games in the first round in the bubble and winning the Stanley Cup, and perhaps the Hurricanes did take a step in that direction this year. But there are more steps to be taken, and I think that's where, especially now, uh, coming, what, less than 24 hours after, yeah. you know, at least at the time of recording this, 24, 20, less than 24 hours after the conclusion of the season, it's still the immediacy of everything, and it's it, it's disappointing when the season comes to a sudden and quick end even if you saw it coming you know hurricanes down 3-1 in the series sure say okay lightning are probably going to win this but even still when it ends it's it's just over yeah you you don't want it to be you feel that there there should still be something left to get to there should be a game on thursday that's that's the feeling Tomorrow is going to be the odd day for me, waking up and there's not a game when we knew that there was one scheduled. Yeah, I'm, I should be late for a flight right now. But let me put something in perspective here. Okay. When you talk about taking steps, yes. did they take a step and yeah. did they take a step? And I, I think you've already laid out the chronology of this, but I'll go back to it again. Three years ago, on January 1st, this team was what, third from the bottom in the NHL? Yeah. Somewhere at least bottom on, five. On New Year's Eve, yeah. they were they were in the bottom five. Yeah. Then they find a way to be like, all right, this is the group we got to come together, and they get into the playoffs, go on a major run, and get in the playoffs. Major run, the run they had to have just to get in. So the feeling that year should have been, all right, they're in the playoffs for the first time in nine seasons. There's a step, and then they're playing the defending Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals. So the logical progression here is, well, they're going to learn, you know, what a playoff series is all about when you take on the defending champs. Well, they knock them out. Right. So they learn how to win a tight series. And then you're like, okay, well, now you're going to play an Islander team that disposed of Pittsburgh in a sweep, if I remember correctly. Or it was a, a short series. It, it, it doesn't matter. Sweep, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. But, and then the Canes, you're like, all right, well, this is good. But, you know, the war of attrition against the Capitals, they're in the second round. That's nice. You know, they'll, this, if they lose here, hey, they beat the Cap. Well, they sweep the Islanders. Yeah. And then you get to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston team that's really good. Probably out of gas by the time you get there. Yeah. And 
the magic okay. the magic had run out by that point, but, I think. But we're talking about steps. Yep. Right? Yep. So let's go to last season. We thought the Hurricanes were going to be a playoff team. Right. You go from, okay, this team could make a run at a wild card spot to, no, this team's a playoff team. It's just yeah. a matter of, are they top three in division oh. or are they wild card? And they just barely got in the year before. Now, admittedly, everything stops. Yeah, it's, so it's tough I, to judge. I want to put the brakes on this, but the Canes, I felt, were a playoff team all year. They yes. were going to get into the playoffs, yeah. be a wild card, or find a way to, to get into the top three of the Metro Division. They were going to be a playoff team. I think probably sneak into top three, but all that's hindsight now, at this point. Of course, they had to get that win on Long Island and then get a win in Pittsburgh before the shutdown happens to put themselves in the playoffs. But you know what? They were a playoff team. Yep. Even with X amount of games left, right. they get in. All right, now what do you do? They're in the qualifier. They're not in the top four. They dispose of a team that everybody was going into it, the so-called experts, and saying, oh, well, the Rangers are going to beat them. The sexy pick. Yeah, you know, more goaltending. This is a team on the rise. And the Canes just batted them away. And then you're like, okay, here are the Bruins. What did they, they learn? Well, they win a game in the series, so you felt there was a step. Every game was close. It was a misplay here or there. It was a power play here or there that either the Canes didn't score or Boston did. So did you learn from that? So now everybody is just going to skip past the 56 games that we played because of the immediacy of what happened last night Yeah, and go to, well, yeah, they won the series against Nashville, but they were supposed to because that's what we were expecting. And the same thing happened to them against Tampa Bay. That happened against Boston. Well, no, not really. Um, the Canes, it's a 2-1 game in game one, 2-1 game in game two, yep. where it's still there for the taking, but Tampa's really good, the defending champions. Uh, game three, the Canes win. Game four, all hell breaks loose in that second period. Uh, it literally does. Wild and second period. It's it's the wildest second period. It's the wildest playoff period of hockey that I can remember. Yeah. I'm sure that there's been wilder. Uh, there have been wilder games, but that was the wildest period of I, hockey I've I, ever seen. I hope there was someone out there who had never watched hockey before and was like, I'm going to check out the second period. And then 20 minutes later, they were probably just like, whoa. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> what just happened? And then game number five, it's there. Yeah. But you got to find a way to score goals, and everybody's going to look at, oh, they didn't learn anything. They didn't take a step. Oh, but they did because you can't dismiss the 56-game regular season. Can't dismiss the banner that's going to be raised. That's that's what I'm driving at. Yeah. They took the step of winning a division. Yeah. They took the step of being one of the elite teams in the league. That was a step. Yeah. Instead of just eking into the playoffs, what? They qualified for the postseason with nine games left, ten games left? Yeah, something like that. So there was no, oh, are they going to get in and are they going to be a wild card? The question was, are they going to be the best team in the regular right. season? That's a step. Yeah. This team has taken steps. Right. And I know the playoff loss is disappointing because it feels exactly like the one. And everything now in every sport is judged by did you win the title or how far did you get? Well, and even if you get to the Stanley Cup final and you lose, well, clearly that's not good enough anymore. Yeah. I mean, it, the expectation, the the goal is to be the best. Yes. And so when you don't reach that, it inherently comes with some but, disappointment. But what I'm driving at is people saying, well, what was the step? The step was winning the division. The step was was finding out night in, night out, this is what we have to do yeah. to be considered one of the best teams in the league. That was the step. Yeah, I do think, and and yes, so I do think, you know, uh, there are steps to take in between uh, the, the 2020 playoffs and becoming the best team. Yep. And I do think another one of those steps was taken this year. And it is. It, 
it the process is important because you don't reach the ultimate goal without going through that process. I mean, it is. It's it. It's like climbing a staircase. You can't climb to the top and skip, you know, three or four steps at the top. I mean, you can if you have long legs or you can jump, but you have to take, you know, those steps and you have to, uh, you know, increasingly make the climb. And the banner should not be overlooked. The Central Division Champions banner means something. The Hurricanes have not put up a banner in this building since 0506. And so for a banner to be heading up into the rafters in four months from now, that means something. It means something to this team. It means something. It should mean something to, you know, the core players to say, Hey, you know, this, we did, we did that. Yeah. We did that last year. And, but now we want more, we want more banners. We want uh, an Eastern, a proper Eastern conference champions banner. We want a Stanley cup champions banner. We want, you know, multiple banners. We want a Metropolitan Division Champions banner, which I think, not to look too far into the future, the Metro's very winnable next year. Very winnable. Um, so, yeah, this the regular season was an important step for this team because, yes, you, you go back to, to um, the 2018-19 season compared to the 2020-21 season, and it's a completely different perspective of expectation. Yep. Maybe not internally, because again, internally, you approach everything with being the best, winning every game. That's the mindset you have to have. But externally, the expectations are, okay, this team is good enough to win the division. And now, going forward, the expectation is going to be, okay, this team is good enough to win the Eastern Conference, to win the Stanley Cup. So I do think it is important to remember what was accomplished in the regular season because the Hurricanes uh, did uh, accomplish something worth celebrating, and, and that's important. 12 and eight. Yeah, one of the best by points percentage, the best season in franchise history. Yeah. So it just so happened that they had to face the defending Stanley Cup champions in the second round, and a team that you know has. I would say a very good shot at winning the Stanley Cup again. I would agree. And people, I got this question a little bit last night. The regular season was so close between these two teams. Why was this a 4-1 series uh, in, in the playoff? And for two reasons I can say. One, it was a close series in the playoffs. Yeah, it was. Take a look. But And a lot of times I felt like, too, you could argue that the better team didn't end up winning the game. Sure. For at least three of the games, maybe four. I could, I can definitely make that case. So definitely. I thought the Canes were very good in games one and two and deserved at worst a split. Uh, and Tampa can make the case that they were the better game in game, better team in game three and yeah. didn't win. But I, I'm driving at the lightning added an MVP to their lineup in the playoffs they didn't have in the regular season who going into last night's game on the power play had four goals and eight assists in the playoffs on the power play not four goals and eight assists in the playoffs on the power play yep. that's Nikita Kucherov that's a difference maker oh, okay and I'm not <laughs> thank you just wanted to bring I was, that up for you wasn't sure if it was Pat Maroon or oh, something well but he made he makes his presence yes. felt by the way yeah 
don't downplay that. There's a guy who Tampa, you go back to last year. What does Tampa bring in to that locker room? Pat Maroon, who wins a cup for St. Louis the year before, so he, he's got that. And then they add Blake Coleman and Barkley Gaudreau. They didn't go out and add Taylor Hall. They didn't go out and add the the sexy goal-scoring names that are out there. They added, you, they added I, I hate using this term, but they added pluggers. They added guys who... You're like, really? Tampa's adding these guys? Yeah, because you need those guys to yeah. play in the playoffs. Right. You know, we were talking before we, we started recording the podcast about Pat Maroon. For a while. Yes, we were. We should have just been recording, and we would have probably an hour now. Yeah, but we probably wouldn't be able to use that's 53 minutes of what we were talking true. about. But we were talking about Pat Maroon, and you are talking about how, you know, He's slow and he doesn't get there. I'm throwing. I'm sorry. I'm throwing this on you, but you threw that oh, out. He, he his nickname is Fat Pat. And That's his nickname. What I what I brought up to you was he's all of those things. Yeah, but he's always around the puck. He is. He's all. He, last night he probably could have scored two two goals. He had that one where he just held onto the puck behind the goal line. He used his big frame and nearly scored on a wraparound. That fourth line for them last night. Tyler Johnson centering. Uh, and Ross Colton obviously scoring a goal. Yeah. That fourth line was a difference maker for the Lightning. And that's kind of the mark of the championship team. When you have four lines, yep, you have three defensive pairs. Their third defensive pair is Sergachev and Savard. Yeah. That's an incredible third pair. Yeah. They you talk about great defensive core. Uh Tampa's is up there. They might have the best left side of the defense in the National Hockey League with Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev. I mean that's it's hard for me to come up with three better lefties on a team than that. And to think they got him for Drouin? Yeah. Yep. Oops. Yeah. Well, oops. Oops on one side. Yeah. But, hey, that team's still alive, so. That's true. They are. Congratulations to Eric Stahl and uh, uh, Joel, Joel Edmondson. Edmondson. Yep. I was I was like, Eddie, what's his first name? <laughs> Joel Edmondson. Uh, yeah. For we, staying alive. I would not have uh, foreseen that. I oh. don't think they're going to make it very far. We all had that. Are you kidding me? I don't think they're going to make it very far in the next round. But, hey, they're there. They're Canada's team. This, did you see the CN Tower? It was lit up uh, red red and blue. Oh, I did. There were <laughs> Something I never thought I'd see. Nope. <laughs> Soccer blue. But, nonetheless, it's there. But it's back to that series in, in Tampa, what they did. They added Kucherov that makes a difference. They have elite players. They have players that you could make the case are the best in the world at their position. Oh, in, yeah. goal, in goal with Andre Vasilevsky and Rod Brindamore pointed that out through the handshake line. Yep. I loved what he said, by the way, post game about Andre Vasilevsky. You know, Rod Brindamore played against Dominic Hoshik. For my money, the best goaltender ever to play in the NHL. You can debate me on it. I know other guys have more hardware and more wins, but he goes, Dominic made it look hard. And the thing for Vasilevsky is he makes it look easy. And that's an unbelievable trait to have because the Canes had great A scoring chances. And Vasilevsky's like, meh. Yeah. I'll put a shoulder to it. I'll get the blocker on it. I'll get my glove on it. The game-winning goal sequence, and I wrote this in my recap, but I'll repeat it just in case anyone didn't read that. If you didn't, how dare you? What's wrong with you? But the the goal... Uh, Braden points goal, scored on the power play. First goal of the game ended up being the game-winning goal because the Hurricanes didn't score. That sequence was an encapsulation of the entire series. 
So Jordan Stahl and Vincent Trocek have a shorthanded two-on-one rush. Stahl puts it right on Trocek's tape. That's a great A scoring opportunity. Vasilevsky explodes to his left, makes the save. Less than a minute later, the Lightning create a two-on-one rush out of nothing, really. You know, the Hurricanes had cleared the zone. They brought it back in. Alex Kalorin's able to slide by uh, and have numbers. And then Braden Point is left pretty much to his own devices, and his devices are pretty good. And he scores a goal. And in that less than a minute time frame, that's the entire series. Vasilevsky makes a stellar save at one end, and the lightning power play connects at the other. And those are really the two things. And the Hurricanes knew this coming into the series. They knew that Vasilevsky was one of the best goaltenders in the world. They knew the lightning power play was lethal. And both of those things were the ultimate difference in the series. The yep. lightning went 7 for 16 on the power play. Yes, That's, against one of the best penalty kills in the National Hockey League. It's insane. They're really good on the power play. The passing, swift skating. Chris Pass. Chris Pass. That's an inside joke. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's true. It, it Their power play, and the Hurricanes played it as perfectly as you could have in terms of being aggressive. Yeah. Florida set back in a tight box, got burned. The Hurricanes played aggressively like you have to, force them to make a play. They're just that skilled enough to where they're yeah. going to make a play. Well, that's the that's the amazing thing to me is they never seem to put the puck in the wrong place on the power play. Yeah. It always gets to who it's supposed to go to. You know, they'll they'll feed a seam pass perfectly across. They get the goaltender moving. They get the defense moving from side to side. Or a puck bounces off a crossbar and ends up on Stamkos' stick. You know, <laughs> exactly. bounces like that. But, but you they, work for bounces like that. Look, the Canes did it this year in the regular season, and they did it to Nashville at times in that first round. Good teams make you pay when you make a mistake. Yeah. If you give up a juicy rebound, if you blow a coverage assignment in your own end, if you don't get pucks in deep, if you lose a face-off that you, you should win, or if you leave a puck in the, the face-off circle to allow them to scoop in and, and, and pick it up, that's, that's what they do. And again, that's why Tampa won the Stanley Cup last year. But we all forget that they got swept by Columbus a few years ago. Yeah. And... People were wondering, you know, is this team going to win? Well, yeah. I That they, made them angry. They they won. I think that won. made them angry. And I don't know if the rest of the league likes them when they're angry. No, no. So, but for it's, the... It, it's, it, it, you know, going back to what I said about it's having to play this team in the second round, yes. you saw it coming. You could probably go back and listen to podcasts from six months ago. We're probably pointing to this being a series. Sure. The, the, this was the the... If the Hurricanes were going to make a run at the Stanley Cup this year, they're going to have to get past the Lightning. And that's a that's a tough ask. It's a tough ask for anybody in the league. The, the Islanders or the Bruins are going to find that out, and Vegas is going to find that out in the Stanley wow, Cup final. You're, already, you're calling it after the overtime win last night by Vegas to go up 3-2 in Probably. that series? I was really high on Colorado. So was I. And Well, I, well phrasing, but yeah. And, uh, and Vegas is... I don't know. They're just they're just really good, and Flurry's playing out of his mind. Yep. Um, but this was the series that the Hurricanes were going to have to get through. In a normal, you know, typical Metropolitan Division, Atlantic Division, they might not see the Lightning until the Eastern Conference Final. 
you know, if they're a wild card, maybe they have to play them in the first round, whatever. But assuming, you know, this team was just as good, this is a this is an Eastern Conference final matchup. You know, this is to play in the Stanley Cup final, basically. Um, so this was this was the series the Canes had to have, and now they know what it's going to take to get there. Yeah, and it it takes you know it the process is important. It Trust takes the process. Oh, sorry, well, it's for basketball. Yeah, <laughs> it takes regular seasons like this, banner worthy regular seasons like this. It takes stinging postseason losses like this to come back hungrier and better the next season. And I think the Hurricanes will. All right. Can I make one more observation about the postseason exits for the Canes? In the last three postseason losses, and you can feel free to at me at this if you think I'm wrong. But, or if you're right, the Canes didn't lose to a, I hate phrasing it in these words, but they didn't lose to a team that was worse than them. Yes. The teams that knocked Carolina out yep. can make the case. Actually, they're better than where the Canes are. Boston, Boston, Tampa. Yeah. Elite teams. Yes. And the Hurricanes are knocking on the door yes. of joining that club. And the Canes knocked out an elite team two playoffs ago. Yeah. In Washington, but the Canes, in their other playoff series that they've won, they do things that good teams do. They knock out the team. They're better than, and in this case, they were better than the Islanders. They were better than the Rangers. They were better than Nashville. Yep. Good teams beat the teams they're supposed to in the playoffs. That's what they did. And then the last two losses, while they are eliminated, and in Canes fans, I know it's things you don't want to hear this. You just take a look and you go back and watch the games and watch them again. And the teams that Carolina's lost to, they don't make mistakes that lead to big moments that give the other team all of the momentum in a game. Or if they do, they come right back with a play. Yeah. Right back over the boards and like, all right, we'll go get a goal. Yeah. And you brought that up for game number four. Like Tampa, most teams would panic. We're down four two, yeah, in our own building, right. and, and we're we're about to. This series is about to be tied. We're we're thirty minutes away from a two zero lead evaporating, and it's on our own ice. And then and, we're gonna have to go back to Raleigh, and yeah. we, we might come back here facing elimination. And Tampa just is like, all right, well, we'll just keep playing. Yep, we'll, we'll get a power play. Yep, uh, and that leads to something completely different that we can talk about, and it's a, a league wide. Uh, issue. I don't know if I want to talk about I, it. I don't want to either. I really don't because it's. I think we've addressed it enough through the years here on Kane's cast. But right now, <laughs> and again, every every the team, every two, team that doesn't win, right, they feel that there's something against them. The Hurricanes two for fourteen on the power play. There's a, the Lightning seven for sixteen. There's a, there's a difference. Yeah, and by the way, that's only two power plays the entire series. That's it. Different. So. so. And the Canes only two power play goals. That was the difference. Yeah. When you you get a power play, uh, I'll go back to to game four. The Canes get a power play in game four in the third period with a chance to you know tie it up, and they didn't get anything out of the power play. And sometimes when your power play is not going, we've heard this before, that can deflate you almost as much as a goal. Yeah. 
Calls, so, calls. I in, say almost as much as a goal. Calls in the course of a game aren't going to go your way. How are you going to respond to it? Okay, a call doesn't go your way. Tampa has a power play. Kill it. Kill the power play. That's what you have to do. Tampa's power play is really good. I get it. But in the end, when your power play scores two and their power play scores seven, and you've got, you know, two games that are 2-1, you got a 2-0 game, you got another one that's uh, three, you got a, yeah, a three two win, and, and then, then the six four game, right? So, you know that's that's the simple difference. That to me, the power play and Andre Vasilevsky just being great at his position was the difference. And that's why Tampa's moving on, and that's why they might repeat. How many goals did Tampa score on the power play? Seven. How many did the Canes score? Two. For the total totality of the series, Tampa Bay scored 14 goals. The Hurricanes scored nine. You know what the difference is? Five on the power play. Seven to two. There you go. Do the math. Math. I actually got it right. Fast math. Fast math. Well, I have a pen and paper. So that's the season. Um, I thought, you know, the, the, the reception that the crowd here gave the Canes during the handshake line was it, it just it meant so much more than it it went beyond hockey like this whole season was I don't even know if there's a word to properly describe it there isn't I mean it was to imagine going from no fans to yeah, six months ago there were no fans in the building there was COVID was in the locker room and, and I was, I was like, what are we even doing here? Like, what's, what, what's, what's happening? Why Why are we, we why are we trying to do this? But I think you look at, at why and what it all means. Look at the reception that the fans gave the hurricanes after game five. That's why we did this. You know, that's, and to and to progressively go from empty buildings to two thousand to six thousand to twelve thousand to sixteen two nine nine. It was it was that bit of normalcy. You know, it felt like playoff hockey again. It felt like but that's the way sports are meant to be enjoyed. And to have that back um was awesome. And I think so I think that's what, you know, that's what you kind of saw come through after game five was just the raw appreciation for the fact that, that this season even happened. The fact that it was, you know, that we were able to get through it. The fact that for the most part, we stayed relatively healthy. And the fact that, you know, moving forward now, we're, it looks like we're, you know, slowly inching past what's been you know a, a really hard year and a half for a lot of people and sports helps us do that it was when we got to for me the game where fans were back for the first time march 4th against detroit and it was what 15% so like 2500 people were in the building yeah that moment it felt like a full building yeah it felt like there were 200,000 people in the building that moment. Uh, and the Canes got a win. 
and the crowd could cheer. And for, you know, 20 seconds, things, this is what it's supposed to be like. It felt normal. And then as the crowds got a little bit bigger and then the playoffs came in and it got more raucous and, you know, you, you drove outside and there was tailgating going on. That's, that's what it's all about. Yep. Um, and, and that to me was, that's why we did it. Yep. And unusual, odd, weird, uh, strange, weird, trying, trying, lonely, uh, difficult. I mean, there's, there's tons of it. I mean, you Grinding. had to go, you had to go on the road yep. and sit in a hotel room for the first three months and basically not leave your hotel room when you were on the road. Yeah. More or less. So, uh, there was isolation, uh, desperation, yep. a- anything that you want to use to it. Lots of testing. Tons. tons. I, I don't I've lost count. I don't even know how many. Basically every day from yeah. for six well, months. The good news is you probably don't have a lot of nose hair now. I think I still have some. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, wasn't, wasn't, Against trying, all to, odds. wasn't trying to go there, but <laughs> <clears throat> I open up the door and you go with it. Yeah. Um, it was the moments. It was the big goals. It was smiles on faces. And then at the end, I love the fact that this fan base cheers their team. Yeah. Win or lose at the end of a playoff series. Yep. Regardless yeah. of, you know, whether it's 2001 yeah. or 2021, when, the, when a lot's changed in between, you know, Games changed a lot, obviously. Teams changed a lot. Expectations yep. are different. Um, this this market has yeah. changed a lot. Absolutely it has. But the fan base and their unwavering support of this team has always remained the constant. They're, you know, just how loud this building gets, the, the passion that everyone brings, it's just, it's unmatched. There's not a there's not a fan base like it around the league. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh the fact that the this is a, a collegiate, you know, you have three big colleges who pride themselves on that atmosphere yep. making a difference. Yeah. And the atmosphere atmosphere here makes a difference. Even if the record in the second round would say otherwise, you look at, you know, folks from around the league, players, coaches, executives, broadcasters. And they're looking at this, and this is the gold standard for sure. an atmosphere of a NHL hockey game. So, it's coaches it. in other sports, yeah. Matt Rule, yeah, who was uh, here doing the siren on Tuesday night for the third period, he took a video of the crowd, showed it to his players, and he's like, "This is what it's about. Yep. This is where we've got to get to." And and I agree with that. And I guess there's been some talk out there about other fan bases or people like you know pouncing on the Canes fans for thanking their team. Who cares what those people think? Those are the miserable sobs who, uh, and and it's why social media can be a great thing, but why it can be an awful thing. Don't let those idiots ever get to you. Yeah. Those are the people who live just to be miserable. When they're not here, they're not, they don't experience what you experience. They're the people, even if they were here, wouldn't get it. Yeah. They're the people who, if somebody is, you know, hitting 400 and goes 0 for 4, oh, it's, he's, he's terrible. 
one game going 0 for 4. Calm down. Or a goalie is having a Vesna Trophy season and he gets lit up. Oh, it's time for the backup. Really? Okay. And trust me, I've taken calls from a lot of those people through my life in a previous job and never let those people get to you. See, that's the problem. That's why they're, I don't, I'm going to go off on a different rant and I'm not going to do it. Well, I was going to say, speaking of calls, we have some. Well, we do. And we have some, we have some yes. Twitter questions as well. So which ones do you want to do first? Do you want to do Twitter questions or calls first? Um, let's get the calls out of the way and okay. then we will uh, get to the Twitter questions. And of course, Michael and I will continue to do this podcast as long as we are here. So never fear. Yeah, as long as they podcast. don't. Podcast. Pull the plug on it. Yeah. There'll be a podcast next week, and you can use the number 919 500 Stephen Lorenz, Dougie Hamilton. That's 919 500 7819. 919 500 7819. And the best part, it's toll free. Look at that. I love how you like to throw that in there, but see, it actually used to be a toll at 919. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, it's not. Exactly. Unless you live in another country, there might, I don't know. <sighs> Just make sure your cell phone company doesn't charge you. Exactly. You can make long distance for free now. Hey, Mike and Michael. Hope you're, hope, hope you're both in well. Um, just calling after game five here at PNC. Um, obviously, a disappointing end. You know, a lot on the line and couldn't even really get a goal there. Um, but I'm sure you're going to get a lot of questions like this. But I was just wondering, you know, what, what steps do the Canes need to take to be true cup contenders, you know, obviously Tampa Bay there had, you know, the extra cap space, I guess, and they had those um, incredible players like Kucherov, and they, they just seemed overall to be slightly better at every aspect of the game than the Canes during that series. But just wanted to know what your opinion is, and, you know, I, obviously there's a few players that might come back, might not, um Seems like you need a little bit of help on, on scoring. Um, the Nadalkovich did a great job. I think he's he's going to be a goalie in the future. But you know, I'm just wondering um, what we need to take the next step as a team. Uh, thanks a lot. One more. Thank you. Well, thanks for the call. I think we got a name. We did at the beginning. Uh, there's two ways I could answer this. I could go the fun route. Or we could go the serious route. But the first thing I, I will say is this team is cup contenders right now. They are. Yeah. Uh, it's just there are four, five other teams that are cup contenders that are really good. Yeah. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are one of them. Uh, the Boston Bruins, the last few years, are one of them. Those are two teams in your conference, and then, then this year slash division, that you've Got to try to get over the hump. Out west, Vegas, Colorado are on the top of that list. Yeah, um, and That's probably the end of the list, really. Seriously. And the Canes are in that list. They're in that mix of, of five teams now. They, yeah. they really are. They might be slotted at number five, right? but they're in that mix. Uh, the fun answer, get Edmonton to retain $9.5 million of Connor McDavid's salary and trade him a seventh-round pick for him because, I mean, let's face it. I love that answer. It's time for a change of scenery for Connor McDavid. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a draft look, pick could do some good for them. Look, Tampa Bay, their salary cap strapped. They are. They're going to have to shed some cash. Um, 
I, I see absolutely no reason for them hanging on to Braden Point and Victor Hedman. No. Yeah. Let them go. So set them free. A uh, couple of 2023 20, sixth and seventh round picks for them. If you love them, set them free. Exactly. And then they get under the cap and they have future assets. But the, in realistic terms, they are going to have to get rid of yeah, they are. some money. Sure. And, you know, perhaps the Hurricanes could be in the mix for some of that. Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe. It's, but, I mean, it's not going to be Victor Hedman and it's not going to be Braden Point. Unfortunately not. No. They're, they're still going to be there. <laughs> uh, and, you know, at some point in time, everybody's got to pay the check. But if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning and you get two Stanley Cups for it, it's a bill that you don't mind paying at some point. And that's what the salary cap does. You have to, at some point in time, say, well, we've been at the party long enough. Time for us to go. Uh, so that's the fun answer. I could have kept adding more players if you want me to do that. But I figured I'd go with those three. Right well, there. you know, uh, Austin Matthews, I'm sure, would love to come back. Uh, to he's an American. The United so, States, so yeah. get him out of Canada. Right. I mean, that's Save him, really. Same thing. Uh and, and, you know, the climate in Carolina can be comparable to that of, of sure. Phoenix where he grew up. He, yeah, it's warm right now. Yeah, he'd, he'd love that. It's a little more humid than dry, but yeah, eh, no worries. And, and, I mean, if we're, we're going to go down this, this road, we can just keep plucking all of it. Seth Jones. Oh, yeah. Come on down. I hear he's... He's a year away from being a free agent. Hey, Columbus, just punt him now. I'll give you a couple of fifth-round picks for him. Sure. Let's call Yarmo. Exactly. Dial him up. Toll-free. Uh, so that's the fun answer. Uh, the the serious answer for me, and I thought it was answered this year, Michael, but the Tampa series brought it up again, depth scoring. Mm-hmm. Well, just, I think, depth in general. But depth scoring. Yeah. Uh, if injuries happen, like if if Tampa had to play this series without Sorelli and, and Kalorn, or even for without the, Stamkos and Kucherov. Well, but, I mean, Stamkos and Kucherov are... I'm trying to go comparables. The Canes played the majority of this series without Nino Niederreiter and Vincent Trocek. And the comp for me would be Sorelli and Kalorn on that second line with Steven Stamkos. That's what I'm going at. Is this a different series? Probably. And Tampa's good, but they don't really have a Sorelli and a Kalorn to replace them in the lineup. To take so depth, that's what the salary cap does. It stretches your depth. You have to draft well. You've got to do things like that. But I'm looking at that line of Coleman, Gord, and Gaudreau. They are they are much what the Canes line when you could put Svechnikov with Stahl and Jasper Faust or Brock McGinn, whoever however you work that with Jordan Stahl, that line is dangerous to score. They create chances. Jordan Stahl had a, for me, a Selkie Trophy year. Of course, that's just us saying that. Yeah. Not the people who we don't vote decide on that. Uh, but if we did, he would be up for it. But he proved that he can be a scorer if you you put that that around him yeah. and still be a shutdown guy. We've known it, but he, he proved it to everybody else. But that's, I, I look at those pieces. That's what's missing. And... Maybe when you look on on the blue line, another offensive defenseman. Now, maybe that's Jacob Slavin. His game goes to that level. I, maybe Brett Pesci gets to that with the playoff performance he had that we'll see more offensive flair because he did score when he was in New Hampshire playing college hockey. So, you know, he put points on the board. So maybe that changes. But, like, I, I look at what Tampa had on that blue line, and they have Hedman and Sergachev. 
And those guys are they're creating. They're 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 moving the puck. They're getting it to the spot where it needs to go. They're offensive guys. So those are the things that I look at. And I I can't identify specific players right now uh, and say, well, this guy or that guy. But those are the things I'm looking at again. Yeah, yeah. It's I the overall depth is you know Tampa is just a they're a deep team. They're a skilled team. They're clearly you know they they're defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason. Um, they might be the two-time Stanley Cup champions for all we know. They might. Um, I wouldn't if they're going to play like this. Yeah. If Vasilevsky keeps playing like this, I mean, they're, they're going to be hard to stop. And then I mean, Sergachev against Montreal in the final. That's just going to be. <laughs> well, I'm not. There's... I'm not ruling out Montreal right now, man. <laughs> there's no way. They're rolling. There's no way I'm ruling them out. They. Right now. Their season could end similarly to the Hurricanes did in 2019. It could. You come back. Now, granted, the Hurricanes weren't down 3-1 in the first round, but you come back in the first round, sweep the second round. What happens the next round? Say hello to Vegas. Hey, Mike. Michael. I'm a Senate set of my opponent after game five. Clearly, Nashville and... Uh, definitely take a gut punch tonight. But before my mind switches to what I'm upset about and what we need to change for next year, I most of all just want to share the thought of being thankful. This was a crazy year. Uh, I was one of the lucky few to get to go to games with my family all season long. They got to really enjoy this season. The Kings still run a division. We made it into the playoffs, which is not a small thing for our franchise. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Rod. I'm thankful for Dundon. He might be a little cheap, but man, I know he's had to run a hockey team. I'm thankful for Don Odell, all the players, Hutch, Bajo, Peter, Hamilton, Dougie, like, so many people all coming back. And before we decide that we want to start digging in, and ripping the pieces what happened this season. The great things we achieved. Well, we remind everyone that we can take the time to be thankful. We're not one of the fan bases of the culture, but we just destroy our team after the loss. We have great culture. We have great fans. Let's take a minute. Let's take a beat. To be thankful for this season this team gave us. We'll get them next time. It was a hard loss. It was a bad series. Things could have and should have been different. But what can you say now? It's over. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what I got. Go Kane. We'll be back next year. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I think that uh I think that it, it kinda goes back to what we were talking about right before we took calls and that there is a lot to appreciate from this season, and and it's important to appreciate those things from this season. Oh, absolutely! Um, because it could have been could have nothing. We could have had nothing. Yeah. There could have been no hockey. There could have been no sports. Yeah. Uh, and in this, hopefully, with everything that was going on, and that's why I want to stop myself from getting into this or that. Everything that had been going on for the past fifteen months, for us to over the last 126 days give you what I'm 
going to do the, the math real quick, and it'll be off 62, 66 hockey games, 67 hockey games, uh, be it on the radio or TV that you could watch uh, for the lucky few early who could come in in person, and then for all of you who could come in at the end for the playoffs. That's what you have to look at. And, again, when a team loses the playoffs, it's always immediate. It's always the oh, yeah. – what. This, this just happened? Yeah. It should sting. Because every other day, your team's playing, your team's yeah. winning games, and then all of a sudden, they lose the game. Yeah, you're late out. for a flight. You're, why are you talking to me? Yeah, I don't why know. Why are you here? Uh, but they're on their way to Tampa right now. But just this, to me, and I know it sounds Pollyanna-ish, this season, to me, was don't be mad it's over be happy we had a season to look back on and enjoy the ride and then it went the way that it did because again it is important it's important that a banner is going to be raised it's important that uh the team asserted its dominance in the regular season absolutely because i think you're going to see that carry over to next regular season they played 56 regular season games there was one game that they trailed by three goals or more in for more than 13 seconds. Right. And it was the last game of the regular season that really didn't mean all that much. When the Central Division was clinched, the President's Trophy was out of reach eh, at that it was point. Sort of, but not really. Yeah, it was out of reach because Colorado yeah. was going to pass. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. And, and understood it's a gut punch. But, folks, again, it's a process. It's taking it is steps. a process. The team is... Team has done that. And that, that process. might be the name of this episode. Steps. Yeah. Taking a step. Yep. Another step. Another step. Because there's steps to be taken. Sure. Can't do it all at once. Yeah, they're, they're It'd be nice, at, but. Not at the top of the mountain, but or not at the top of the stairs, but. The way you consistently build a winner is by doing it right, and that's what the Hurricanes yeah. are doing. No cheating, no cutting corners, doing it the right way. Hey guys, Jack from DC again. First of all, I want to thank you for providing the, the content that you've provided all season long. For those of us that don't live in the Raleigh area, uh, that are fans from afar, we really need information like the information that you guys provide because it allows us to keep in contact with what's going on with the team in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I'm very, very happy you guys do this podcast and I hope you continue to do so next year. Second of all, I just want to reflect on what a great season this was for Carolina to go 36-12-8 like they did is a very unusual season. Dad to that, a playoff series victory. It's very exciting. And not everybody can win the Stanley Cup every single year. Uh, I'm just, I just think it's very, we're very fortunate to be one of the top teams in the league. Uh, to finish theoretically uh, among the final eight teams in the playoffs, uh, I think was just a great season. And just reflect on in their history uh, how you think this is going right now. I think it's going really well. I think they're building towards something. Uh, some su sustained success in a way we haven't seen in many, many years in Raleigh. So I'd like to hear your comments sort of on the big picture about how you think things are going with the Carolina Hurricanes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that, you know, we're not the only – we're not just, you know, echo chambering ourselves here in the studio, that that other people kind of – what is the – see the forest for the trees? Yeah. Like – it's yeah, it it a hundred percent. You know, it's um, like you said to 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 have the regular season that they did. They they are they're building towards something, and they that's what when Rod Brennamore took over this team three years ago. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to make this team a perennial contender, 
And I think they're there. I don't know if this is going to make anybody feel any better. But for me, I think we all want to put teams in a microwave and in 30 seconds have a championship team. And we've seen some teams come out of nowhere and do it. Insta champs. Exactly. To be honest. Freezer section near you. Exactly. Let's mothball this idea and then talk to cubes later. Exactly. (laughs) Here's our pitch on on Shark Tank. Hey, cubes. Uh, good to know. Glad you got another direct line. A couple of people in the organization do now. Uh, that being put out there is, I think the Canes are ahead of the schedule, ahead of the process. Because that first year under Rod Brindamore, the team gets to the Eastern Conference Final. I, I don't know about you, but the first year, I just wanted to see this team play a, a consistent kind of exciting brand of hockey. Well, they did, and then they get in the playoffs. And then that kind of accelerates the expectations that you have. And again, I'm talking about us. The team believes that they should win and they want to be the best and that they should make the playoffs. That's not just the goal. It's to be the best. I will always go back to that when we're talking to, to Rod Brindamore at the the Fan Fest and you know the question is, what's the goal for this team? And the guy shouts the playoffs and he goes, no, it's to be the best. And they're getting there. They yeah. were they were a win or two away from having the best record, and I know it's the regular season, but folks, that's still something from a team that for nine years didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, that's something. So that's the process, and I think that they they kind of they did put it in the microwave a little bit. They are ahead of schedule, yeah. uh, a touch, because if you look at it. That first year should have been, all right, we're going to learn how to play for Rod Brindamore and we're going to build the culture and we're going to build these things up and we'll get you lay that foundation. Well, in year one, not only did you lay the foundation, you started putting the good bones up to the house and, and everything is kind of advanced. So next season, I'm not trying to sell hope here, but next season, in my mind, should have been where this season was, meaning, you know, push everything up a year. Well, now this team knows, all right, that's how Boston did it. This is how Tampa did it. They got front row seats to the show. Yeah. So I expect, you know, what the future holds, this team will continue to make tweaks. They'll make additions. They'll make the coaching staff will make changes to the style of play, to what they do, and and be better for it. And the players will have a better grip on it. And the players also now, that culture in that locker room is not one of, yay, we're in the playoffs. That culture is, this sucks, we got beat in the second round. Yeah. And I think you saw it on the faces of everybody last sure. night. And it by was, the way, this season, according to the NHL, the Canes were in the second round this year. It was a first-round exit last year because that's right. a qualifying round. Yeah. So technically, I guess they did take one step further than last year. Thanks for your call, Jack, and thanks for the kind yes. words. Glad yes. you enjoy the podcast. Uh, we do uh, plan on continuing it through the off season. even. Yes, we do. Um, we've done it. Every year since we started doing it in 2017, there'll be some there'll be some weeks yeah, here, and there. here and there because Michael is going to be a dad soon. Yeah, so that's that a thing that's happening. Just it's a bit, we're barreling towards it right just now. Just tell little baby Smith not on the day we're recording Kane's cast. Okay, yeah, just hold off. You know, got give me an hour. Yes, you know, just go lay down the pod and then I'll be back. Tell, um, it's your wife. Yeah, it, it, tell. Um, to hang on. Exactly. I'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. We're not going anywhere. Uh, so also yeah. the funniest thing about this is I look down at the clock. Michael and I are like, oh, this will be a 45 minute podcast. Nah. And, no. and we got Twitter questions to get to. Yeah, well. we do. Uh, here's another voicemail. Oh, 
Hi, good afternoon. Um, question for Stephen Lawrence. Just want you to know if you have any idea how darn proud everybody is back home in Waterloo of what you did this year. Uh, you're with an amazing group, but boy, uh, you lived a dream, and we're so proud. I love that. That's awesome. Stephen Lawrence isn't here, but we'll certainly pass along the call, the kind words, and yeah, I mean, it was that that in a year of of a lot of uh, you know stories that news stories that were yep. told his story uh and his journey to the NHL um was was one of the best really from this year and to see him you know break through after really you know working hard and overcoming odds and succeeding at every level to see him then break through and arrive in the NHL and really just kind of solidify his position as an NHL player was a lot of fun to watch. He just wanted a chance. And when he got the chance, man, did he make the most of it. He is, for my money, a guy who should be on an NHL roster next season. I think so. He proved that he can play at this level, and the moments weren't too big for him. And he is going to be a, a guy who I think can fashion – quite the career in the NHL. And I'm glad that Waterloo is, is proud of yeah. Stephen Lorenz. They, they should, they should be. be. Yeah. They really should be. And, and I go back to the first time I ever met him. There are people, Michael, you know, when you meet them, they're different in a good way. Like there's something special about how he carries himself or something special about how this person has this outlook on life. He is that. And to see him get to the NHL, score goals. By the way, he only scores on Vesna Trophy winners. That's that's a that's a very handy player to have around. Yeah. Uh, but when you see what he brings to the people he's around, and how he doesn't take any of this for granted, and he will work his tail off to make sure that he stays here. It's a great story. In a year filled uh, with, we needed great stories. His, for me, if we're going to rank them. I don't know how far down the list I put it from number one for what's one of the best stories to come out of the Carolina Hurricanes this year. I agree. I agree. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for the call. Hi, Mike and Michael. My name is Alex, and I was curious. Obviously, I know the offseason just started, and it's going to be a long and interesting one. But I was wondering if any of our prospects stood out to you this season and who, if any of them, you think the Hurricanes might take a look at for their roster going into next season? Just preliminary thoughts or anything like that. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Uh, well, I, you know, going back to last call, I think Stephen Lorenz sort of graduated his status from prospect to NHL player this that is year. Fair, yes. Um, I think you know you got to look at. At Max Lejoie on defense, you know, is he someone who could factor in moving forward? Um, we saw earlier in the season, you know, we got to look at at a guy like Max McCormick. Um, you know, when the the, the Hurricanes were dealing with um, COVID issues and and injuries, Morgan Geeky again, but I think again he's he's more, I think, solidified his. Status is more so roster player than prospect at this point. Um, it was a weird year for Chicago 
and the AHL because they, they played. They shared it with Nashville. They shared it with Nashville. They played a shortened schedule. They only played their division. They didn't play playoffs. So it's it's kind of tough to evaluate. And it's going to be a very interesting draft season too because you had you know the OHL who didn't play, the WHL who played a shortened season. You have you know all these leagues that you typically get um, you know really hands on uh, experience with some of these players that you're not going to get going into this draft season. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the Hurricanes evaluate things heading into the draft and how they evaluate uh, how their prospects fit into uh, the plan moving forward, too. So a couple of the players, though, if we're just going to look at, at prospects, yep. Jack Drury, who played for the United States in the World Championships, he is playing professionally over in, in Sweden. He had a, a pretty decent year, 30 points, I think, in 40, 41 games. And the Hurricanes are trying to sign him. Uh, Seth Jarvis, who had 11 points in nine games in the AHL before he seems good, was returned to the the juniors. Portland Winterhawks. So Seth Jarvis is a guy who next year maybe he gets a look. You know this this past well first round pick, but again they still want him to develop. Well, and he's going to have to play in junior too because of his age. Unless he Unless makes, he the, makes the team, roster. but uh, Alex was asking like who could get a look. You know, maybe he, maybe he gets a look. Uh, that could be one of those things where they'll play him. You know, eight or nine games, depending on how the season goes at the start to get a look at him in the NHL. But uh, he's a guy who you can definitely, I guess, take a look at. And Jamison Reese has been an interesting name on the the list for a couple of years. So, and we saw Joey Keane make his NHL debut this season as well. Um, you know, between him and Lajoie, those are two, I think, names to keep an eye on on defense uh, moving forward. Yeah, so just a couple of players. Good question, Alex. Made us do our homework. Yeah, uh, and that's all the voicemails we have. If you have uh, a question or comment for the show, um, or you just like to, yeah, I don't know, ramble about something, just give us a call, 919-500-STEVEN-LORENCE-DUGGIE-HAMILTON. That's 919-500-7819. It's open 24-7, the phone lines are. And it's toll-free. That's the best part. I love the fact that you like to believe it's toll-free. All right. We've got some Twitter questions out there, Mr. Smith. Let's do it. We haven't had uh, Twitter questions in a while. No. This one from Sarah Sivian. Oh. A, a famous writer at Sarah Sivian. I think she writes for The Athletic. I believe you're correct. And if you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, go get one. Go get one. Maybe. They don't sponsor the podcast, but maybe they should. Maybe they should. Throw a couple of dollars our way. Grab a Stormbrew while you're at it. We'll get it anywhere we can. Stormbrew, the official sponsor of Canescast. Just 97 calories. And 2.4 carbs per serving. It's perfect to enjoy while you're listening to Canescast. Or reading about Canescast on The Athletic. What more could you want? Maybe a $5 Stormbrew at PNC Arena. Mm. Or if, you know, light lagers aren't your thing, you could go for a 7 Saturdays IPA. A Riviera Mexican lager. Definitely. Uh, One of the Isla... Hard seltzers. There you go. Delicious. It's it is pool season, beach season, and yeah. seltzers are can't can't beat it. And it's all available at your favorite beverage store, grocery store, or wholesale warehouse. Wholesale wholesale warehouse. That was weirder to wholesale say than wholesale warehouse. Yeah, like Costco. <laughs> uh, here is Sarah's question. I don't think people realize how hard it was to do your job this season, and you aren't going to be the one to bring it up. So can you take us behind the scenes at some of the challenges people might not have realized now that it's over? Well, for you, Michael, let's go with you. What was the biggest challenge in this COVID season? Well, I think this is more directed job? for you. Oh, well, yeah, but it's also for you because you had challenges with the job too. But I will 
answer it as well? Well, I mean, I, I thought about it the other day um, on Sunday with the two-day gap in between game four and game five. The NHL adjusted its protocols heading into the playoffs that fully vaccinated members of the traveling party didn't have to get COVID tested on off days. Yeah. There were only two days all year between whenever we started daily testing, probably around January 1 to today is 6-9 yeah. on the calendar. Nice. There are only two days, well, today, obviously, but yesterday, there are only two days that I didn't go to either PNC Arena or Weight Competition Center, and that's it's a lot. It, you know, I, you kind of, you know, yeah, 56 games versus 82, but we crammed a lot into a short period of time, and uh, it was it was tough. It was tough at times, especially early on when, when COVID was a very real threat in the locker room. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a very interesting and trying season at times, but a lot of fun too. It was a lot of fun and good group of guys here. So I shouldn't complain. Yeah. Uh, Sarah's right. I, I don't want to talk about it. I, I get to talk about hockey for a living and call action. Uh, but you did have to look at a monitor. Yeah, and if that's the biggest tragedy of my work year, okay, fine. You, you know, had to look at a monitor. Dilemma that I've got to, you know, look at a monitor. Green letters, numbers, <sighs> guitar strings that are guitar cutting string. the numbers in half. Um, <laughs> it looks nice. I don't, up close. Yeah. Oh, again, all of these things up close look great. There's no consideration as to the people who are far away calling them. Uh, all right, thousands so that's, of miles. That's for me, some of the challenges, it's you had that grind. It was the same grind for me. Yeah. Um, where it's you, you felt like it was Groundhog Day. You kept waking up and doing, and, it, and it's fine. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining about it. But it was, you know, you you go through the work prep. You have to deal with things. But you know, there's certain technical things that would happen behind the scenes that you'd never know. Um, you know, something would go out. Uh, you wouldn't get the the feed right from the other arena, the crowd noise only. Yeah, you would you'd have some issues with that just to bring this to your attention. Crowd noise only. Sometimes you'd get it too loud. Sometimes you wouldn't get it at all. Uh, so there were some issues with, you know, just small things like that. And it was nothing that anybody could do. And you just had to deal with it. Uh, for me, the bouncing back and forth between having the game in front of you where you can see everything and then, you know, having to call it off of a monitor where, Folks, I wish I could tell you there was some magic trick and I got a, a different look at the ice than what you did, but what you were seeing is what I was seeing and I had to call the action to it. You had a special super secret zoom lens. No, nothing. Oh. Trust me. Okay. Wish I did. <laughs> uh, and go back because there's lots of times when somebody has the puck, but he's flat against the wall and <laughs> we're just going to say, seeing the Tampa the Canes have is the over. puck. No, Tampa's going to, Tampa. Right. Shot from the point. That's yeah. all. You, you don't know who had it. Just Not Braden point, point, but the point. Uh, sometimes I'd get lucky and it was Braden point and <laughs> it, it would win out. Um, and, you know, there's there's other stuff with it, but I'll keep that baggage with me. Um, but that's it's fine. Well, you, you know, from a media perspective, you do lose. I mean, I was I was lucky enough to be in the locker room every day. But 
from a broader media perspective, you lose out on some of those storylines from not, you know, building those relationships. And not only that, but the thing that you get as the, the broadcasters and as um, play-by-play and, and analysts, the access you get to the coach and the coaching staff. Right. Where I, I went into games and I had no idea, uh, not just for the Carolina Hurricanes, but oftentimes the other team, who they're going to dress tonight. Uh, the, the Nashville series, John Hines, they, they could have been dressing a, a lineup from their inaugural season because like, you had no idea who was going to be on the ice. So that was challenging, and it was just some things like that. Yeah. Um, but fun fact, I have size 13 feet. Oh. Just for – there's been a common theme in putting that out there. Some people might consider those to be large. Yeah, in some circles, yes. Yes. Just some parts of the world. Some parts of the world. So makes shoe shopping hard <laughs> at times. Because, like, size 13 is, is – I, I can find 12s. And I can find 14s, like usually in styles that I want, like never 13. Oh. And I also dislike the number 13. That's I unlucky. Have, I have triskaidectophobia. Is that the fear of, fear of number, number 13? 13. Oh. Yeah. I, I'm not superstitious. I'm not even a little stitious. No. But I do try to avoid the number 13 when I can. That's fair. There's some people who love it. Some people think it's lucky. And sure. that's fine. Yeah. I just, some people stare uh, superstitions in the face and say, not today. <laughs> well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for that question. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Uh, this from James. Status on Rod's contract extension and the rest of the coaching staff. Also, thank you both for all you've done this crazy season. Thank you. Crazy is a good word for this year. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's wrong with you? Are you famished? Crowd noise only. <laughs> um, as of today? Yeah, as of yeah, today. It still has to be resolved. There you go. That's the best we can answer yeah. it. Uh, do we think it'll get resolved? Absolutely. Absolutely. There you go. <laughs> Two for one. This one from Nick Coletta. Or Colella. Colella. You put a T in there. Nick Colella. Why, um, why are you guys with like last name Smith always adding or taking away letters from guys who have last names like Colella or Maniscalc? Maniscalc. What do you think is the realistic window for this team to win a cup? Uh, I think it's... The window is is opening. Yeah, really. I think, it, I think it's open. I'd yeah. say now, maybe the next five years, five to seven. Sure, realistically, depending. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, I think you're right there in it. Which is which is what makes, you know, obviously the loss disappointing, but at the same time gives you hope for what's to come. Indeed, indeed. If you had to pick a favorite huge Kaniac name drop from Trip Tracy, who would it be? I have one, but I have one for a completely different reason, and people might not, you know, because Jacques Cousteau and all of the other names that are out there are, are awesome, uh, the Queen. But mine, <laughs> the Queen. mine is Val Kilmer, <laughs> and it stems from the bubble because we would show – uh, they have these things called squeezebacks. You see them more and more on in sporting events now where the game will shrink and then there'll be like a commercial to the left. Oh, that's so what to, they're called? Yeah. Well, okay. That's what it's called, a squeezeback. Squeezeback, all right. And uh, this year in the regular season, it was for the North Carolina Education Lottery, mm-hmm. but it was Liberty Mutual Insurance, and it was, you know, Limu, Emu, and Doug. And they kept showing Doug and Trip. And this is more... Of, 
I have fun with this because of Trip. Trip goes, oh, look, huge Kaniac Val Kilmer. <laughs> and he thought the guy playing Doug in the Liberty Mutual commercial is Val Kilmer. <laughs> and I go, you haven't seen Val Kilmer lately, have you? <laughs> And he goes, oh, Val Kilmer, though, huge caniac. So that, to me, every time now I see those commercials of Limu, Emu, and Doug, one, they, they make me laugh anyway, but two, either I or, if you can hit the uh, this one, um, will say, oh, huge caniac, Val Kilmer. <laughs> every time. Every time. I wish I had an answer, uh, but since I watch – Every game in person, I really didn't get a chance to hear much of the broadcast this season. He did produce a shirt, though. Yes, a list of yeah, and there's a huge, a huge list. Uh, so you know, I don't pick a name. They're probably huge caniacs. Darius Rucker's probably a huge caniac. Sure. Good enough. All right, uh, this from Chip at that Chip guy on Twitter. Uh, the standing O, the Let's Go Canes chant during the head handshakes. Uh, it all brought a lump to my throat. Sports community at its best. Those out-of-towners mocking us for supporting the Canes after a tough loss to quote Rebecca and Ted Lasso, F the haters. You're here. Yeah. Bully. You're here, Chip. I will agree with that. Uh, Joe McCartney, any relation to Paul, you'd think? Paul McCartney, huge caniac. Yeah, huge. <laughs> That's been, that has been said. <laughs> who are the three D-men the Canes protect for the expansion draft? Real question is, who is the third as Slavin and Pesci are a given? Hamilton, Shea, or Bean? Well, interesting you say that. Could be a loophole because the Canes might not have to protect Dougie Hamilton for the expansion draft because he's an unrestricted free agent. Or they could opt to not protect by position and just do eight skaters, eight skaters and one goalie. And a goalie instead of uh, the positional. I wouldn't do that. I would, I would do the seven and three. So... But, yeah, I mean, maybe it's Brady Shea. Maybe it's, maybe Jake, it's Bean. Jake Bean. Maybe it's Dougie Hamilton if if he re-signs before the expansion draft. Yeah. So, I, just based on what I, I saw this year and then what we saw in the playoffs, you know, people always want us to give an answer. I... I would lean towards Brady Shea because I think with Brady Shea, even if Seattle takes him and has no one, they can flip him because, you know, the Canes gave up a first-round draft pick for Brady Shea. Right. He's a – we saw that he's a top four and could play in the top pairing with Jacob Slavin out in the Nashville series and eat minutes left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not going to score you 50, 50 points from the blue line, but he is a serviceable – defensive defenseman who can allow his defensive partner to, to move up. I really like the pairing of Shea and Pesci as well. Yeah. Um, Jake Bean, you're looking at upside. You know, does he develop into that power play quarterback? He's young. Uh, he, he doesn't cost a lot right now. Right. Uh, if, if he turns into the guy who the Canes drafted in the first round, you know, you're looking at that potential for him. Uh, so it, it's a coin flip. I would, like right now today, I, I would lean – that it would be Pesci, Slavin, and Shea. And I'm just saying because Dougie Hamilton goes the the unrestricted route and you won't have to protect him. Um, again, loophole, but then you, know, you still have to find a way to sign him. Right. But Unless, you know, Seattle thinks they can sign, sign him. him. And, well, and, no, and they and, could do that. And Seattle will have a exclusive negotiating window with unrestricted free agents before they hit uh, what used to be the July 1st UFA day. July 28th, I think yeah. it is this year. A little... A little odd, a little later, but a little weird. Nonetheless. 
Um, so there's that, but I could also be talked into why you would want to keep and protect Jake Bean under this yep. scenario. This from Daisy Richeson. What will you remember from this season? Thanks for the hard work all season, y'all. You both helped make it an amazing one. Thank you. Thank you, Daisy. Thank you. Uh, it's funny because so much, so much of it is a blur now trying to look back on it. Yeah. Uh, you could tell me something that happened in January and I'd be like, are you sure that wasn't five seasons ago? We we already said it. I think I already said it, and you backed it up. It was the first game back here at PNC Arena yeah, with fans. March 4th. Yep. That was a special one. Yeah. Just because, you know, that was the really the first, I think, big step towards, okay, you know, there's... A little bit of normal. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Yeah, I mean, that, uh, the fact that, again, the Hurricanes won the Central Division... Mm-hmm. Um, the, just the, if you contrast the first home game with the last home game, those two very different scenes of cardboard cutouts yep. were very stiff versus a crowd that's the most lively crowd in the National Hockey League, a building of over 16,000 people. That's, that's memorable as well. Just to show, you know. Okay, that's how far we've come in, in six months. But uh, thanks for listening. No. And good question. Thanks, yeah. Daisy. Uh, this one will come from, oh, it's not really a question, but Killian Gray. Not a question, but just a thank you for being amazing this season with Kane's cast and working through a pandemic. It just made me so happy every single day, and I can't imagine this team without the two of you. Thank you. That's very nice to say. Thank you. That's very nice. We appreciate it. We appreciate those kind words. Uh, Todd McGee. Oh, by the way, Todd McGee, let's go back to uh, an expansion question. Want to know which Canes aren't eligible to be taken in the expansion draft? Geeky Lorenz and which ones have to be protected? Stall for his no movement clause. And your thoughts, who we will keep besides Ajo, Slavin, Turbo, Pesci, Svetch, Natchez, Ned, Stall, Trocek, Dean. Uh, Don't have to protect Ned because he's a restricted free agent. Don't have to protect uh, Martin Natchez either. Yeah, that was part of the 18-19 season that he spent down with the Charlotte Checkers. Yeah, up in so the he's championship. So he is automatically exempt. protected. So, same thing with uh, Svech too, I guess. Right? Yeah. I don't. I'm no, gonna no. be uh, Andre Svechnikov is eligible to be selected by okay. Seattle. I'm gonna be completely honest. I haven't really paid much attention to that because uh, the playoffs have been going on. I've, and I've, honestly, after winning a cup. Uh, the expansion draft would really be the last of my concerns. I've I have peaked at it. Um, so right now, Jordan Stahl, because he has a no movement, which is not a no trade, he will be protected. Uh, you will have to protect Aho, Teravinen, Niederreiter, Trocheck, Warren Fogle, Brock McGinn, Jesper Foss, Jordan Martin, Cedric Paquette, Andre Svechnikov, Morgan Geeky, Stephen Lorenz, Drew Shore, Max McCormick, Sheldon Rempel. Uh, Dougie Hamilton right now is listed, but he is the UFA. So there, again, there's that weird loophole, uh, Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea, Jake Gardner, Brett Pesci, Jake Bean, Yanni Hockenpah, um, will have to be there. Also Max Lejoie will have to be protected. Uh, Roland McEwen, Joakim Ryan, and in goal, you, I think the Canes only have one guy that they can protect right now. So we'll look at it. It'll probably be, it'll end up being Ned because I would imagine they'll get a deal done before they get to the expansion draft. 
Yeah, Ned's not going anywhere. I think you look at his body of work from the regular season and the playoffs, and you've found you've found your guy. I think yeah, the only player on the NHL roster who is exempt, who played meaningful NHL games this year, is Martin Natchez. Joey Keene is on that list as well. There you go. All right. Any more uh, Twitter questions, or are we? I'm sure I can get to one more. If you uh, if you don't mind, sure. Okay, great. And uh, that answers Todd McGee's question, and also Peter Sackick answered uh, the question on Joe. Right, he's he's got it up as his as his avatar, so it's got to be Peter Sackick, huge huge Canes cast fan. Um, so here we go. Do you think the NHL will attempt to solve the refereeing problem? This is from Craig. There seem to be a lot more coaches calling them out this year, so curious if the NHL will actually try something to fix it. Sure. I'm sure that there will be discussions. I don't think it will ever go public for uh, what they want to do. But, again, I've always said the NHL can help out the officials by taking a lot of gray out of some of these rules that are in the rule book, making them a little bit more black and white. And that's all I've got to say about that. Sure. You got nothing else to add? I have no desire to talk about officiating. Basically just because I'm tired of talking about it. Oh, I, I am, I'm the same way, but it's the hardest sport in the world to officiate. Yeah. Uh, these guys do, because uh, I think I remember we talked about it, whatever, during the Nashville series, and I think I made the claim, you know, they get nine out of ten calls right, but it's the ten that they miss. You know, the tenth that they miss. That's what everybody freaks out about. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, nine out of ten. You know, I'm like, because nobody notices the ones that they. You know, you only notice the mistakes, or yeah. you notice the ones against your team. So, right. Exactly. So that's that. All right. I think we're good on that. Okie dokie. Good way. You didn't want to keep talking about it, and I'm not going to force you to. No. Nope. Give an answer on that one. Yeah, because when it comes down to it, yeah, kill your penalty or score on the power play. Yeah, either one. 45 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes. You take your pen. Here we are. Here we are. All right. Well, that will put a, a wrap on this season for the Carolina Hurricanes. As again, they are sent home by the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, four games to one in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But this is a, a year that I think we got more out of it than what we really knew. And when we look back on it, I think this is going to be one of these years you look back on it and be even more fond of of what they were able to do. Yep. Win a division where you had the two teams that played for the Stanley Cup yep. just a few months before living in it. Yep. Uh, a Florida team that was on the rise. Uh, your your longtime division foes now uh, who've shown up. You know, a team like Columbus is there. It gave us some good rivalries. Got to see Chicago. I'll uh, miss it, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think there'll be a part of me that'll miss it as well. But I do think the Metropolitan Division... You know, when you look at the trajectory of the Capitals, arguably the Penguins as well, oh, yeah. I think the division is uh, is very winnable next season. Well, we will see because that's why you play the games. And you play to win. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Playoffs. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, Michael, thank you. for uh, Thank you. And, and I, just give me a second on this one. Thank uh, you. As we're wrapping it up, Michael is the guy who makes this podcast work. Uh, I hope people understand that when it comes to booking guests, setting up the equipment when we're on the road with Zoom calls and trying to patch things together, 
and make things work uh, that most notably most people would just be like, oh, let's mail it in or whatever. He made all of this work. He was the reason why uh, the uh, spinoff to this podcast, the, ampli- the Amplifying Black Voices happen- happened, his his tireless work to to ensure that. And uh, I'm sure that that series is not done for us. Yeah. We're going to have more coming up. But yeah. Uh, as we, we moved into the playoffs, just certain things right. uh, kind of took center stage. And I hate even using that phrase, but, you know, it's we'll get back to that series for sure. But I just want to thank you. This is a blast. It is. Uh, I, I love calling the games. Uh, I, this goes back to when I was the rinkside reporter and the pregame show host with Shane Willis and all of those things. I love that. But this is the most fun that I have, just yeah. to come in and talk with you. Yep. Where's the lie? Yeah. As you tell me all the time. It's (laughs) not here. Can't find it. Not here. But you deserve so much more credit for the things you do, uh, not just for this podcast, but for the organization, for the website, for getting your stories up and the things you do. It is a privilege. It is an honor to work with you. It is a highlight of my week when we get to sit down and talk for 45 minutes that turns into three and a half hours. We'll keep this one short. We swear. Absolutely. Maybe next week. Probably. Thank you. Well, thank you for those kind words. All true. Yeah. Some of them, maybe. Where's the lie? <laughs> Go back. No, it is. I have. This is. Uh, I have the most fun doing this too. And, um, I mean, honestly, we could. I, we could do so many more podcasts too, if 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 time allowed, yeah. if if um if uh, resources allowed. You know that we. This is all. This is a lot of fun, and um, to you know to look back when we started it in the summer of 2017. It just it made sense for you to to come in and and be, um, you know, so integral to this podcast. And um, looking back at at, at twenty twenty and the, the the pause that we had to take from it was, you know, everyone kept asking, oh, when's it coming back? Yeah. When's it coming back? And um, but it just didn't feel right not to do it, you know, with with half the show missing. So um, this is uh, it's a highlight of mine. It's it's a joy to do it every week. And for you, the listeners too, you know, thank you for listening and, and, um, absolutely tuning in each and every week, calling in with voicemails, tweeting at us, um, making us the number one hockey podcast in Finland for a day, one glorious day. Maybe what, we'll get back there again. What a great day. That was, um, yeah, you know, you're the reason that, yeah. that we do this and, um, and that we keep doing it because it's, it's, it's a lot of fun for us. But it's it's even more fun knowing that there are people out there listening and enjoying the words that we're speaking into these microphones. I'll I know I'll speak for you on this, but I absolutely love when I see people who yes. I've never met before, and they're yeah. like five stars, best friends for life. Yeah. Does Does Michael have a like it, keep it? Of course not. Of course not. We didn't even do one of those. We didn't even do one like it. So I I escaped. Yeah. If you like it. Go ahead. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. You won't have one of these for next week. <laughs> well, no, now I will. Oh, come on. <laughs> now so I will. You're, you're sending it back. Yeah. Fine. What if I have one right now? I don't believe you. The Hurricanes will win the Stanley Cup next year. Oh, wow, that's a good one. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Why not? I mean, uh, we're going to have to see how the offseason plays out yeah, for there, everybody. But There are tons of things that are going to happen between now and <laughs> but opening night. Right and, now on 6-9, that's yeah. June 9th. Yeah, we're making a nice prediction. Yeah. Because why not? I'll take it. Yeah, me too. Done. Next year. All right. All right. 
It's a good way to wrap this one up. It is on an optimistic note. Absolutely. For the webs, Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. We will talk to you next week. Moy moy. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this <laughs> podcast. Go Canes. The webs, Michael Smith. It's episode 179 of the Canes cast. I'm going to do this again. Okay. <laughs> Don't know why I was talking like that. <laughs> Thanks for the music, though. Here we go.